You're listening to The Science of Superpowers with Tonya Dawn Reclar. Listen here, read the book, and dive into the experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Science of Superpowers. So glad to have you here. And we have a phenomenal guest today as part of our Men of Co-Creation feature. Art Geyser's here. Hi, Art. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Really, really thrilled to be on your show. Oh, we're, we're, so, we're so glad to have you here. And so, like I said before, we're going to get to Art and his superpowers and all of his amazing abilities. Um, but first, we want to remind you that the Superpower Network celebrates the men of co-creation, men who have dedicated their existence to the pursuit of something beyond themselves in areas like science, business, medicine, personal development, religion, family, relationship, and many others. These men have stepped up and said yes to co-creating a world that aims to inspire all of us. Thank you for modeling admirable character and honorable pursuits. We love you. Love each other. Art, we absolutely appreciate the work that you've given to the world and, and, and what you do on behalf of humanity. I want to dive in and let people know what that's all about. So let's start with what are your superpowers and how do you use them for good? So my uh, superpowers are clearing people's unconscious blocks, energetic blocks, karma, spiritual contracts, limiting beliefs, and then connecting them to their own spiritual information and opening up their superpowers. Brilliant, brilliant. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking, we're going to share the secret power of energetics, um, because that's a space where um, art's work and our work has really come into contact in, in in the way of the realization, I would say. That that beyond ourselves, right, beyond kind of our previous version of ourselves or how we held the physicality, um, the Newtonian physics model, whatever we want to want to look at, we, we've evolved our ability to perceive of ourselves beyond that. And so what does that look like? Right. How do we work with it? What does that mean about who we are? What does that mean about who we are together? And um, and I loved our, you know, you, you, your background is varied. Right. From from did, did I have this right? You were running a uh, clinical research. Was that where you were at at University of California Research Lab, right? Reproductive right. endocrinology, like you know, I, I, brilliant, right? Who gets who? How many people can say that, right? And and here you are, like fast forward, having gone through the journey that that we all get to go through when we choose to dive into these things, and you're able to sit here and say, hey. Yeah, we actually do have superpowers, and it, and it, it's it is what we think, and right. so much more, and it's also not that big of a deal, but it kind of is a big deal, right? And and that that's a huge journey. Can you share with us what that journey was like for you? Because it, it takes some chutzpah to like step out of those containers, right? It, it does. And for me, uh, it was kind of natural because even when I was little, I was interested in two things, science. I want to be a scientist when I grow up and change the world. But I also believed in the powers of the unconscious mind um, in the in spirituality, telepathy. In fact, my mom tells a story. I was a little kid and I wanted to check out a book on hypnosis from the library. And the librarian wouldn't check it out to me because I was little. So my mom checked it out for me. And my mom said the librarian gave her that you're a terrible mother look. And I'd be hypnotizing my friends and cousins. <laughs> they still, still laugh about it. Um, but then I, I got really stuck for years afterwards. And what happened for me is I, I did get my research job and uh, again, University of California Medical School in San Francisco is a major research institution. We were looking at the effects of estrogen and progesterone on the tissues in a woman's body. I mean, what you would call uh, epigenetics now. 
you know, and that, that we were looking, how do the natural processes work? And I was proud of what we were doing. I love the people I worked with. Uh, we had gorgeous views of San Francisco. We were way up in a hill. But, you know, that feeling like I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not my life path. And I was always an adventurous person, but then I got stuck. And I, I got stuck for a long time. <laughs> wow, I think so many of us can relate to that. And it's, you know, in the longer I sit in this work, you know, decades now, being consciously aware of moving through developmental models yeah. in really bizarre ways that the world doesn't seem to understand or match up to or really want to hear about until now, all of a sudden, right? It's beautiful. It's like critical race theory, right? I was teaching it decades right. ago. And now everybody wants to know more about it and has an opinion about it. And it and, and the energetics, superpowers, right? The, these conversations have been going on forever under the surface. When I was in the counter-intel realm, it, remote viewing was, was not unheard of, right? Bringing in psychics I, on cold cases, not unheard of. But for some reason, we haven't matched up our realities. And, and, and we've had so many conversations on this show about why, right? What keeps us from matching up those realities? And of course, so many reasons, not the least of which is it totally reshapes your reality in front of your face, right? And that's a bizarre thing to let your world, you know, we can say we want to change the world, but then we got to be willing to let the world change. (laughs) Like, we don't actually think that one through. (laughs) It's like, wait, hold on, wait a second. And we don't get to call the shots, right? When you understand energetics, the field is popular vote, folks. What we want we get and it's it that's a that's kind of a kick in the pants right and so so as you start to realize okay okay we're we're beyond the molecular like like something else is going on here right how did you get unstuck right you said you were stuck for a long time so what what was it that that allowed you to kind of start putting the pieces together and saying like, i think that there's more here well you know part of it just for people that are younger you know when I was in my early 30s, people thought about you had a career for the rest of your life. So I was looking for, as a girlfriend of mine said, she goes, you're looking for a box to put yourself in art. You're not going to find it. You're going to have to build it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I knew that made sense, but I, I just, I, I didn't know what to do. And then I started studying a little bit of energy work, just a, a little bit. And I went to a talk on intuition. And I'd always had this belief that my path was going to appear one day. It was, boom, going to be there. And, but, you know, I got 30, 31, 32, and I thought, well, maybe I'm just lying to myself. You know, maybe it's just an excuse not to change. So I went to this talk on intuition, which was just okay. And they had a a table where they were selling books, which will come in later. And uh, they had a break. I went out in the hallway. And this was in the days when you had bulletin boards with flyers on it. (laughs) for, uh, for you know, pieces of paper that said things on them up on the wall. And I read one and it went neuro-linguistic programming. And when I read the words, it literally felt like a lightning bolt went boom, hit me on top of the head and went straight down my midline. And I'm just kind of in shock. And the scientist part of me went, what was that? And the mystic in me went, well, it was a sign. What do you think it was? <laughs> I want more. <laughs> so I walk back in the room, though, but I'm a little kind of dazed. And I look at the books on the table, and every book is on intuition except for one. And that one book is on neurolinguistic programming. And I thought, okay, <laughs> you can't deny this now. So I bought the book, got home, and it said, don't start with this book. So I was a good boy. I, I, I ordered from a bookstore because you couldn't just go to Amazon and ordered a book called Frogs into Princes, one of the early books on NLP. 
And I started reading it and my life changed. You know, it just opened my mind to a whole different way to approach things. Oh, beautiful. So so I love that you introduced the NLP concept and, and, and your journey with it, because I too have had a journey with NLP, a little bit of a rocky journey. I would I would kind of equate my journey with NLP to my journey with the unevolved masculine because of where and how we sort of butted heads. And it was, um, you know, and it really came to a decision point in my system when, um, when at, at the counter Intel course, they asked me to write a course on critical thinking and lie detection. And I was like, I won't do it. I, critical thinking, you know, I, I, I ended up doing that piece of it because after we had some discussions about it being antithetical to the rank structure and what they could expect as the fallout from such teachings. Mm. Um, but the lie detection thing, I said, you know, it's not a perfect science. I don't necessarily agree with how it's being deployed and arming people who aren't intuitive or aren't in touch with their stereotypes and biases right. and everything else about them is really a bad idea. And then, of course, giving them badges and, 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 and telling them that, 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 that they, um, they're good to go, that can create kind of a, a mess in, in my world. And so I was, I was really sitting with this because I was like, OK, how, how can we look at this? And I love the energetics component. And of course, I find today the structure of magic. Oh. <laughs> Right. One of the very, very first is 1970s. Right. Bandler and Grinder, who did um, who talked about. Right. They were really influenced by Virginia, Virginia Satir's work, which was one of the foundational kind of elements. And she was doing family therapy. In fact, systematic systemic family therapy models. Right. Where where everything was cohesive. Right. Where people were heard and understood and well held. And I sat in this little dreamscape for a moment, Art, in our, in our shared energetics. And I was like, well, let's just pretend like a what if scenario. What if NLP had been popularized as that, right? As the thing that's going to allow our family units to function more efficiently so everybody can feel held and, and, and can evolve and can create and can express, right? And so, so there's so much value in the practice and so many people's lives have been really evolved and, and changed for, for, for the better using these techniques. And, and I love that you're willing to talk about the fact that there's something else happening underneath with the people who are effective in, in, mm-hmm. in, 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 in the mo- in the biggest sense of the word in using these techniques. And, and many people aren't effective with them because of those inconsistencies and imbalances inside of them. So that's, that's my confessional and in the, in, 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 in the light of co-creation that, that it's, um, you know, I think in so many ways, it's a bad idea to put that stuff forward without the proper containers. And it really started in a beautiful, beautifully held container with really gorgeous intent that would serve to fortify all of society. It's not quite where it went for a while there. Yeah, and, and let, let me make a, a couple of comments for people that, and um, part of the reason I've added my field of energetic NLP is you add in spiritual principles and the energetic work. But a lot of people nowadays uh, don't really understand what NLP is or what it was started to be because it got popularized by people that were using it for power, to get laid, to get what they want, you know, and, and so it gave NLP a bad name. But it's the same with psychology, spirituality. I mean, how many spiritual people have misused it? And NLP in itself. Very true, very true. But anything that's powerful attracts really wonderful people and it attracts people. I'm not going to label them I mean, as good or bad, but people that want power and control. 
But that's not what NLP, NLP was designed to be therapeutic. And then it, it morphed into not only being therapeutic, but how do you do skills transference? If one person is good at something, how do you use NLP to help somebody else be good at it? So yeah. I just want people, that was the mission of NLP. And like anything else, it's used in all kinds of wonderful and terrible ways. You know, I, I love that you, you're able to hold it that way. And what that speaks to folks, and I, and I hope you really go back and listen to that because it is 100% necessary that no matter what we're doing, what we're stepping into, what tools we're using, what we're creating, that we have harmonized and reconciled this within ourselves. We carry contradictions. And, and that is exactly where I was able to lead myself back to is that point that these are tools we get to choose, right? And, and the more of us that dive into the energetics where there, there are principles that are 100% on point every single time they work 100% of the time. When you understand how to attune yourself to them, how to operate in accord with them, they can't fail, but it is a deep journey. It is a very personal, very intense journey of the self. And from there, you understand how all of these pieces fit together, right? It does really hold the key. And as rocky as those journeys are for each of us, we we kind of like it, right? We like the messiness. We like to be able to look back and, and lay blame. Like I could I could come up with all kinds of conspiracies about the hypermasculinization and the patriarchy when it comes to NLP and how it's been used. But you know what? We're not without our faults as well. And so there's zero value in dividing up and saying this and that. And that's really what the message of co-creation is about, is that we do have to go through the deconstruction phases. We do have to look with some critical lenses at some of the programs and systems that we've agreed to, that's not the same thing as looking with critical lenses at the people that we identify with those programs, right? right? As a humanity, we're brilliant, creative, loving beings. And when we can remember that about ourselves and each other, we can join together and turn around and look at our very checkered and sorted past and say, okay, what do we do with this, right? Got it. None of us like it. It doesn't actually work for any of us, right? Nobody's happy with the boxes. Nobody, no, not a one. Right? Not a one. Exactly. So what can we do together? Right. And and so Art, I love that that you played with me a little bit and, and allowed us to walk through that place of yeah. that's how you are able to work with this and really work with people in a valuable way is to say, hey, this isn't perfect. And as individuals, we have to take the responsibility on ourselves to know this energetic component of us. And I, I was lucky when I learned NLP, I was learning it in Marin County, just north of San Francisco. And at the time, if you threw a rock in Marin County, you hit a, a therapist, a psychic, a healer, meditator, a yogi, mindfulness person. So people in the class started teaching me about energetics and spirituality and introduced me to some of my early teachers. And I was also very lucky that my primary mentors in NLP were Leslie Cameron Bandler, who uh, who had been married to Richard Bandler, and then they got divorced, and then her husband, Michael LeBeau. So I had this incredible mixture of this. Leslie is very, very strong, but also a very feminine woman. Michael is very strong, but uh, not toxic male. And so I, I, I was able to learn from both of them, and they they appreciated the differences in how they did things, and they made it all available to us. So it was great to, to have the more... Um, uh, kind of still very, very uh, powerful work of Leslie, but still from a much more 
loving kind of a place. And Michael would come in like a laser beam and mm-hmm. we realized, oh, we can learn from both of them. You know? That's right. And there's so much value in that. And I really do see that in our upcoming generations being modeled um, in, in, in more ways than, than I think we can even comprehend of the the fluidity, right? The adaptability, the flexibility, the willingness to see through all these different lenses. They're growing up in worlds where they are very aware that there's no shared reality. There's right. just not. Like we all grew up in a world where we, we most of us were fed that people are this way, whether it was like we are, or unlike we are, or whatever the case may be, there was some, some sort of program that said, this is at least normal for people like us right? Whatever that is exactly. and come to find out it wasn't normal for anybody, right? We're just all making it up as we go along. And, and it, and it was, there's something really powerful in sort of pulling that back and it's doing something to our insides, right? We're getting a little squirrely. We're a little uncomfortable with the fact that we can feel the world shifting under our feet, right? Like, like we kind of call it dimensional sickness, right? It's like, it's like, it's, it's for real folks. Those waves come through and it's like, whoa, what's happening? And then everything rearranges. How are you helping your clients? How are you helping the folks that you work with sort of ride these waves, um, maybe ease, ease some of yeah. the tension of the chaos? Like what, what can we offer to folks from, from this beautiful synthesis place you've gotten to? Yeah, so a kind of a couple of concepts that I use. Um, one is that everybody's the sovereign of their energy field. So if other energies are affecting you, it's only because they're hooking into something of yours. Now, there's a lot to hook into. You know, we have karma, we have spiritual contracts, we have unconscious programming. But when you realize that, so what I was taught and what I bring into energetic NLP is if other people's energy is affecting me in a quote unquote negative way, it's an opportunity for me to go, what did that hook into in me? Heal that. And then not only do I clear those energies out of my space, but I grow as a human being. So uh, there's a concept in Aikido, and I don't know much about Aikido. It's called taking the hit as a gift. And and then the way I've seen it is like they teach somebody like if somebody throws a punch at you, they can actually use that energy. And um, so in a way, it's the same kind of thing. So other people's energy, even if you think it's and I don't think in terms of negative or positive energy, I just go, it's it's yours or it's not yours. It's helpful or it's not helpful. So yeah. if it's somebody else's energy, it's not helpful. I can utilize that or I can become neutral to it. There's, there's something called body of glass where you realize you don't have to fight it. You don't have to resist it. Um, uh, boy, there, there's so many different techniques you can use, but a lot of it is is learning to clear your energy field from all the other energies that are stuck in there. And it's kind of like brushing your teeth. You're like, you're never done. They, they, they gather. But my opinion is that well over 90% of the energy in most people's energy field isn't their energy. And of that, a great deal of it isn't helpful. Again, it's not evil or, or negative, but it's not helpful for them. And it's not authentic. So a lot of the work I do with people is teaching them how to clear their energy, how to clear the Velcro that that energy hooked into, and then how to bring more of their authentic essence into their lives, bring more of their spirit in their um, deep inner human wisdom into their lives, and to start playing with earth and uh, universal energies. Beautiful. I love I love everything that you just said. And another way of kind of framing that up, folks, to sort of harmonize here is that the, you know, imagine that the field runs through us, right? The collective field runs through us at all times, and it's carrying all this data, just tons of data. 
Well, we have programs in our, in our energetic systems, right? And, and our, those programs determine how we respond to that data. So, so to Art's point, the data is always coming in, right? This is really where our work got to start was, was in the mind reading component. It's like, these are not my thoughts. They, they're just not. And I know they're not because I can trace them back to origin. They're not mine. How is this working, right? And so really diving into that and being able to watch the thoughts, right? And, and you ask questions and you're going on a quest, folks. You will be taught. You will be shown if you have the patience to follow the quest. And so that just kept evolving and evolving. So imagine that data is coming through and, and are exactly spot on is that this speaks to how incredibly important it is for us to understand our energetic fields, right? You are either energetically influencing or being influenced by the environment, no matter where you're at, you choose, right? And, and it's not a matter of um, taking over and controlling and influencing everybody else. It's simply maintaining your space of influence, your locus of control energetically. And if we don't understand that we're operating from programs that we don't even see happen because they're happening in that subconscious level for a long time, you know, the idea was that the programs in the subconscious, you know, that we can't see them, we can't do anything about but, but, you know, I dug underneath that one and it's simply not true. We can observe our behaviors. We can, we can watch what we do. We can analyze the science exists for a reason, folks, mm-hmm. fix it, right? If you don't like how you're acting, who's responsible, right? But, but it's easier said than done if you don't know how to work with those energetics, which is where the creative energy field activation model came into play. So people can clear mm-hmm. that energy for themselves and operate from that active field. Right. So you have the universal field coming through, but we all have our own little intention crafts, essentially our little intention hovercraft that if we can hold the energetics of and our creative expression, we have incredible influence on the oh. environment. Incredible, more powerful than any device, more powerful than any AI, more powerful than anything ever is us holding clear intention, knowing our energetics, understanding how to express creatively in alignment on all levels, multidimensionally, and then going for it. You can't stop it because uh, it supports it. If I can piggyback on that, it, I, I used to do a lot of work in corporations on leadership and working with teams and groups. And one of the things that I would do is, and, and I know you know this, but you never force energy on other people. But you can, I think of it like a dinner party. If you're having a, a party of some kind, you set an environment so it's easy for people to have a good time. You don't try to force them to have a good time. Well, when I would work with a team, whether, or whether it was 120 people or, or five people, I would work with the energy in the room. And I wouldn't force anything on anybody. But often when I'd be working with a team, people would be angry and upset. So I would just clear the anger out of the room. And I would bring in energies of um, collaboration, creative problem solving, and a lot of other useful energies. And in my mind, I would just talk to their spirit and go, you know, you don't have to use these energies, but they're here if you want them. And People could be going from being really angry and upset to all of a sudden they start collaborating and nobody's being forced to do anything. And in these kind of techniques, they're really easy. They're not. I mean, to me, the cosmic joke is they're not hard because everybody has the superpowers. We all have these abilities. And and I love working with people who kind of go, I don't know if I can do it. And I go, well, let's let's try something. And all of a sudden, you know, you know, this experience. Um, But yeah, that. When you realize that one of my teachers used to say, when you really get that the energy field around you, that you're never in empty space. You're always in the energy environment, just like you're in an atmosphere. And when you realize you can start playing with that, and as long as you don't force it on anybody, you can have this profound effect on people where 
again, often they can go from a lot of anger and upset to move towards some levels of collaboration. And just by changing the energy, again, but without forcing it on anybody. I like to hold it as presenting another option, right? Because ultimately, our responsibility is, quote unquote, light workers, change agents, as leaders, parents, right? Is, is are we shining light on another alternative? Um, and, and I would say at this stage of our development in terms of humanity, at a global scale, leaders, parents, right? I, I don't care who you have influence on and we all influence someone. There's right. a little bit of a responsibility here because we can complain about what's happening and we can we can talk about how scared we are of what might happen. But if we're not willing in every moment to say, okay, what am I expressing into this? Then we're to blame. Like we're complicit and complacent in it. Like in every moment, this is what it's going to take. What do we choose? And if we choose to continue to feed things that make us miserable, we'll create a world that keeps making us miserable. It's literally like that literal. It's like X's and O's, like dots and dashes, ones and zeros. Like, it's just like, this is how it works, right? And when we understand that and get over the insult that it initially feels and like the slap in the face and the like, holy cow, what have I done? And all of the whatnot that occurs when we turn around and face ourselves, Let's just get through that. And then what do we want to create using these principles that we know work and we know how to work with them? And, and, and so that's my encouragement for the moment of, of there, there is a huge light, not just at the end of the tunnel, like it's here right now, use it. And if you don't know how to get to it, find the text techniques, right? Our, our, this is the work that art does. So many people work in these spaces right. to provide opportunities and techniques so that we can change our beingness, which changes everything. And so, Art, where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Well, a, a really good start. Um, if they go to Blockbuster, one word, Blockbuster, the number three dot com, Blockbuster three dot com, they'll get four videos where I take them through some really simple, really powerful energetic NLP, te NLP techniques to clear their energy space, clear what that energies are hooked into, and tend to connect more with their guidance from their spirit, from their deep inner human wisdom, and to start being able to work with with energetics. And they get one video a day for four days. They're easy. They're fun. Um, I, I believe that when possible, spiritual work should be fun. So <laughs> it's light. It's easy. And one of the things that makes it more unique is in these programs, the, there's only a couple of roles for your conscious mind. One is you set your intention. You get permission to receive the benefits because often people set intention, but they haven't given permission to receive it. And then I teach them how to put their inner wisdom and spirit in charge. And then when they listen to the videos, the energy comes in and guided by their own spirit does the magic. So it's easy. It's fun. It's life changing. And it's beautiful. If that resonates with you, make sure you get over there and check out Art's work. Art. Thank you so much for being a celebrated man of co-creation. We love that you joined us here. Um, we look forward to more conversations and however we can support your work in the world. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled what you and your whole family are doing to make the world a better place. And it's just an honor to be on your show. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. That means a lot to us. And, and those of you who are listening, we, we love you. Like, thank you for this, for, for having the courage to say, I'm going to listen to something else. Like, I'm going to do something else. Like, Maybe I can feel better in this moment, right? Something that says, oh, yeah, like I'm a big deal and I've got all kinds of power and I kind of want to know how to work that because, you know, if we're bored, 
who can we blame, right? We, we got all kinds of advanced courses going on here, folks. Just ask the people playing them. They're always happy to share. They're always happy to talk about it. And when you're ready to turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, get over to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Because why not? It's a lot of fun to our point. And, and it is it is the thing you've been looking for, right? You're much bigger than you realize. And we welcome your brilliance in the field. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, we love you. Love each other. Remember who you are. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.